Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. It is my joy to be with you guys today. If you are new to the show, we have a new episode streaming every Monday and Thursday through CharismaPodcastNetwork.com, or you can download the Charisma Plus app for free, and there's tons of content on there, not just my podcast, but several others, as well as articles and a lot of other free content. You could also go to Audible, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listened to. And today I'm going to be continuing my longest series ever on First Love Fire. This is part nine. So uh, you don't want to start at part nine if you haven't if you haven't been involved in the other ones. You want a foundation for um, this series. And so you want to go to part one. I lay a strong foundation there and exactly where I've been going and what we've been exploring here on this series, but then we also dive into several hindrances to first love, remaining in that place of intimacy with the Lord, walking with Him, staying bright and and fervent and and vibrant in our relationship with the Lord. And so you can go ahead, just click back on some previous episodes, and you will find parts one through part eight. And so now we are on part nine, and I'm still going into a hindrance, and I'm entitling this one the lukewarm church. Okay, because I'm pulling from a scripture in the book of Revelation and it highlights something that is very important for us to understand what many of us struggle with at one point or another. Some of us maybe more than others, but I would say if we're being honest and truthful with ourselves, we all struggle with this at one point or another in our walk with the Lord. And so let's go into it. I am going to read Revelation chapter three, verses 14 through 22, and then I'm just going to bring some insight here, um, kind of breaking this down a little bit. And so Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22, and it goes like this. The angel of the church in Laodicea write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of the creation of God says this, talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is speaking to the church at Laodicea, and he is saying this, verse 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold, I wish that you were cold or hot because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. I will vomit you out of my mouth. And because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have no need of anything and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I salve to apply to your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. And the one who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne and I also over as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a very common passage in terms of being lukewarm. We're talking about first love fire, staying passionate, being fervent, being vibrant in our relationship with the Lord, shining brightly with the love of God, having Jesus be our everything and continuing in that place, how it does not need to be a season in our lives, a honeymoon phase, how we can always walk in relationship with God and stay passionate about the things of God and abide in that place of friendship with the Lord where we experience his presence and hear his voice. And so there are two passages in Revelation, the one that we have laid as a foundation um, in terms of this series, which is in Revelation as well, uh, to the church of Ephesus talking about 
how this one mature church was doing all these amazing things right, but the Lord had one thing against them, that they left their first love. Um, Now I want to tackle this one, also a very common scripture when talking about this subject. It's the subject of being lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. People that are on passion, you know, that are passionate or on fire for God compared to people who, you know, maybe just go through the motions. uh, Well, you know, as is, is, would be lukewarm, just not on fire for God anymore, right? And cold would be people that just don't serve God, right? And it, a lot of times people think that to be unbelievers or people that are practically hard, hard, hard-hearted towards God. And so this is very, the language here in this passage is very strong. And I want to read the whole thing because I don't want to dumb down the word of God or I don't want to say something that is not in here. You know, this is uh, this is a strong rebuke, I would say. You know, Jesus, he lightly rebuked the church of Ephesus telling them, you know, uh, all these things are amazing. Use the sandwich approach. All these things are amazing. You're doing this right, that right. But this one thing I have against you. But remember, you're also doing this right and that right. It was very kind and compassionate. Use the sandwich approach that many of us try to use in terms of how we correct people. Um, this situation is a pretty harsh rebuke. And I think personally that these people have fallen into the boat of being self-sufficient, um, religious, uh, believing that they have it all together when they don't, completely relying upon themselves, independent in nature, uh, claiming the name of God. They're obviously a church because to the angel of the church in Laodicea. So this is a church that believes they have it all together, doesn't include God in their activities, uh, thinks they're doing great, leaning on their own strength, super independent, probably very religious. And like like I spoke about in a previous episode, talking about the bondage of religion or the toxicity of religion, is that Jesus spoke the harshest towards people who were religious, that felt like they could just do things a certain way, say things a certain way, but on the inside be corrupt. Uh, he, he came against those people very harshly. He called them a brood of vipers and hypocrites and um, you know whitewashed tombs and and many other names, all right, that you could look up in scriptures. He's shocking religious people out of their pride and out of their religiosity to show them their true condition so that they can repent, like it says here. They can truly repent and they could uh, buy from him gold or find by fire and white garments that we can clothe ourselves. And, you know, from our nakedness, we could have white garments clothe us. And he's talking about having eyes to see. And he's saying we should be zealous and to repent. But then he also offers rewards to those who will do these things, saying that if you do overcome, I will grant with you to sit on my throne. You will also sit on the, you know, as as I sat on the uh, on the throne with my father. You will also sit on the throne with me. And then he goes on to talk about how he's inviting them into relationship with him if they come to that place of recognizing where they have fallen short, recognizing that they aren't. Um, in the best place like they think they are. And he is saying he's inviting them to a place of intimacy. So this, for me, is summing it up. He's speaking very harshly to religious people who have it all together. And he is inviting them to something better and deeper, calling them to repent so that they can truly receive the reward that is due to the children of God and the sons and daughters of God. And so there's two things here. Um, I really want to tackle the subject of pride briefly. We really can't you know, go into a lengthy topic here or a lengthy uh, discourse here on pride or the spirit of pride but it is it is definitely the the root of religion <laughs> religion uh the religious spirit and the prideful spirit go hand in hand okay if you're religious there's a lot of pride there all right and so we need to tackle this um there's a couple things i'm going to pull out of this when when we're wealthy um when we are very self-sufficient people when we are strong in and of ourselves, when we are very proud of our giftings and and who we are, our clout, maybe our name, who we know, our reputation, 
um, you can you can be saved. You can encounter the Lord. Um, it's just more difficult when somebody is living a certain way, when somebody is making money, when someone's got a positive reputation, tons of friends, you know, um, respect, a lot of strengths, a lot of abilities, um, and they're being successful in this world, being successful in life. It is very difficult for someone like that to, first of all, receive Jesus, and second of all, to really operate fully um, in their God-given potential, all right? Because we, first step is, we have to recognize that we're sinners in need of a savior and that we need rescuing, that we need redemption, that we are absolutely nothing without him. There is humility and surrender that is involved in terms of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. And, you know, uh, just to talk about my father, he listens to his podcast. So, but my dad was a very successful man. He had a form of godliness. He went to church and he believed in God, but didn't have a deep connection with the Lord until later on in his life. When I was 14 years old, he encountered God and it was life changing for him. But my dad was very self-sufficient. He was a hard worker. He was a skilled man. He always provided very well for my family. Um, all of us, we were blessed, you know, we, we, we lacked a nothing and I'm grateful for that. It was a blessed upbringing. I'm grateful for my upbringing and he was a very loving man. He would take us out. He would spend time with his family. Um, at the same time, he, he, he knew God in measure in terms of, it was more about appearance. It was more about tradition. It was more about doing the right things, less about heart to heart connection with God. And then my dad, you know, when his business started to fail and go under, um, he, his heart was open. He was more receptive. And my mother was a believer for many, many years. And she seized the opportunity, recognized the opportunity. And she came in with the gospel and she shared Jesus with my father, wrote up a prayer for him to pray. And my dad one morning took that prayer and opened up to God. And he was completely transformed from the inside out, but it took, um, a downfall. It took, recognizing that I can't do this on my own power and abilities. Uh, everything that you clung to, everything that you, I, 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 you know, this is my security. This is who I am. You know, this is what I'm accomplishing. When all of that crumbles before you, you begin to realize I am in need. And that is the first step to entering the kingdom of heaven, to coming into a deep and lasting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There needs to be a measure of humility, recognizing that we can't do it in and of ourselves, that our talents, our strengths, our obedience will not make yeah, will not cut it in terms of having a relationship with God and walking in the kingdom and you know entering into the kingdom of heaven. But there needs to be a point of surrender, laying down our lives so we could pick up the life that Jesus died for us to have. And then, yes, there's people in their lives also that are more prone to pride or being prone to being self-sufficient. Um, they may have come to a point in their life where they did humble themselves, surrender their lives to the Lord and lay down um, their version of what life should be, and they are truly born again. They they know the Lord. Um, and it, uh, I'm not saying they know. You know, I'm not talking about levels in terms of how deep or close a relationship is. But there are people that encountered God truly. Their life was completely transformed. But they have more of a tendency to rely upon themselves because maybe their name, because of their resources, because of um, their skills. Their, their talents, whatever it may be, they say, oh yeah, I got this. And they live very independent of, of, um, of the Lord in terms of they're not daily relying, clinging, coming to God in prayer, just recognizing their deep need for him. And so it's hard. It's hard. And I feel like this church came to a really, <laughs> um, 
This this didn't just happen overnight. Let's put it that way. Their heart has gotten harder and harder, and they were relying upon their pride. They were relying upon themselves. They they saw themselves as rich and wealthy with an with need of literally nothing. And but God saw them in a different light. Okay, and so this is this is just important to know in general. I know some people in my life that they're more prone to just be independent people because they're strong, they're talented, they're powerful, they have money, resources, things like that. And when we do have a measure of freedom and happiness and 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 money and their security in our lives, we tend to cling less to the Lord. Look, look at the Old Testament. When they were in bondage, when they were in hardship, when they were in the midst of war, they would cry out to God and he would come and he would deliver them and he would send a prophet and everything that God would do, he would deliver them from their distresses. But then as soon as they tasted victory, as soon as they tasted freedom, you know, they would go back to worshiping golden calves. They would go back to forgetting the Lord, their God and the old Testament. You see it continually with the, with the Israelites and with God. It's just when you, when you walk in that freedom that he purchased, when you, when you begin to taste of it and experience that freedom and that life when he brings you out the other side because you cried out and you trusted him and you clung to him. Now we're walking in freedom. And so we're not inclined or prone to just, you know, have a daily um, yielding and a daily communication with God and an internal dialogue with the Lord, relying upon him, his resources, his grace and his power. And so there's some people that I believe, you know, they're, they're strong. They're, they're believers. They love God. But the Lord is trying to eradicate that independence, eradicate that self-reliance and that self-sufficiency. And even though we do have resources, even though it's great to have resources and, and talents and skills that God gave us, God gave us those abilities. All of those things come from God and they're irrevocable. He will not take them away. But at the same time, we need to understand that we would never have any of these things without the Lord. The air that we breathe is from the Lord. We are alive. This world is spinning. The world is set in motion by the power of his word and is staying. We are staying alive and everything is in orbit because the Lord is involved. We, we, are, we are nothing compared to the, the, the magnitude of God. You know, we are not self-sufficient people. The Lord is holding our lives together. And when we understand that, we see the magnitude of who he is, the beauty and the hugeness of who he is. And there's something else I want to highlight here as well. It says in, I believe it's first Peter, could be second Peter. Sorry, I don't have the scripture in front of me. And also the book of James says that God gives grace to the humble and he opposes the proud. That God gives grace to the humble. He lavishes his grace, his power, his strength, his love, his presence on those who posture their hearts with humility. And humility is just a simple recognition of who he is to you, who he is in your life, that you need him, that you love him, and that you want him to be involved in your daily activities. It is grace that the Lord lavishes upon us when we posture our hearts with contriteness and and humility and brokenness before him. And he opposes the proud. It's, that's a, that's, wow. The people that are proud will not experience daily touches and will not experience a supernatural outbreak of the presence and spirit of God in their lives because they feel like they could do it on their own in their own power and abilities. You know, Jesus said it's difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven. Why? Because they're doing fine on their own and it's hard for them to recognize their need for Jesus, their savior. What do they need saving from if they've got it all 
together. And just like I said, people who are talented, skilled, naturally strong, extremely competent, wealthy, esteemed, easier for them to rely on themselves instead of the arms of their almighty father, his favor, his resources, um, and remaining dependent upon him. But when we are in that place of dependency, we will see the supernatural touch of heaven. We will see his handiwork in our lives. We will hear his voice. We will experience his presence. We'll see outbreaks of favor all around us. But when we are stuck in pride, then we will. it will seem like God is resisting us in our daily activities because we are not experiencing what others experience. When we think we have it all together, in God's perspective, it is the absolute opposite, the exact opposite. Um, but those who cling to him are absolutely rich in his eyes. And those who don't cling to him that are stuck in pride, that are religious in nature, um, in God's perspective, they are blind, naked, and poor. But to those who cling to him, trust in him, and rely on him are absolutely rich in his eyes. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. James 4, 6, that, that's, the, that's the passage. It says he gives more grace and therefore God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He draws near to the humble and contrite of heart and he reveals his heart and his mysteries to those who are contrite of heart. Just like it says, Isaiah 66, 2, but to this one I will look, this is God, but to this one I will look at one who is humble and contrite in spirit who trembles at my word. The Lord will look upon and dwell with those who are humble and contrite in spirit who have the fear of the Lord in their hearts and tremble at his word. And Psalm twenty five fourteen. this is beautiful. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and he will make them know his covenant. Those who fear him, those who reverence him, those who are contrite in spirit, that are humble before him in love, dependent upon him. Those will know the secret of the Lord and he will make his secrets and his covenant known to them. How did Jesus end? He ended by, you know, obviously sharing with them. Here, here, the, here are the rewards of the, of the humble. Here are the rewards of those who are dependent, who will take this correction seriously into heart and will answer my invitation to intimacy. This is the reward. He always promises a spiritual reward that will never be taken from us if we will yield our hearts to him and walk with him. But he does offer an invitation to those who are proud, to those who are religious, to those who are living their lives in this manner. He says this, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. But then he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him and he with me. This correction, this rebuke, this holy discipline, it does not feel good in the moment. Like it says in the book of Hebrews, discipline does not feel good in the moment, but it produces the peaceable fruit of holiness in our lives. And so, yes, this is a harsh rebuke. But it comes from a place of love. And we see it here in verse 20. He's saying, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. I'm knocking. I am knocking on, on, on your door. I'm standing at your door, the door of your heart. And I am knocking. And I will continue to knock. And I won't give up. I won't relent. 
Jesus will knock on the door of your heart until the day you breathe your last breath. He is relentless. He is in hot pursuit of you. He will draw on you. He will try to play the strings of your heart. He will knock and he will knock and he will stand there. He is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not fail. Love does not give up. He will stand there and he will continue to knock. He will bring people into your lives. He will speak to you directly. He will orchestrate your circumstances. He is knocking. He is knocking. He is knocking. And he will wait for you to hear his voice. And when you do hear his voice and you do open up the door of your heart, he will come in and he will dine with you and you with him. That speaks of intimacy. That speaks of friendship. I only allow friends into my home. I allow family into my home to break bread with me, to sit at my table, to speak with me, to eat with me. That is a place of closeness, nearness, love, trust, camaraderie fellowship. He's saying, open up the door of your heart and I will come in and I will fellowship with you. I will dine with you. We will drink wine. We will break bread. We will eat together. We will speak face to face. We will connect heart to heart. I will be in your presence and you will be in mine. That is how the Lord is wooing us out of that place of pride and independence and religiosity. It is with an invitation of intimacy. And we need to take that very, very seriously. And he will never give up on you. He will continue to knock on the door of your heart. He will continue to pursue you until the day you see him face to face. And so bless you guys. We need to return to our first love. And even in a place of pride, he will continually woo us. And so thank you so much for tuning in. This is part nine of our series. And um, it's going to continue, guys. And so thank you guys for tuning in to Awaken Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be blessed and awakened to the beautiful gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you guys, and I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hello, let me tell you about this amazing online store, The Hope Filled Journey. You'll definitely want to check it out today. Michelle and Renee Torres, they started up this online store in obedience to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crazy year, like we all know, uh, full-time jobs, raising four children, and they stepped out in faith, and God is honoring them every step of the way. You go to www.thehopevilledjourney.com. It's where you'll find extraordinary products, clothes, fashion accessories, jewelry, and more. Their goal is to inspire faith through their product line as well as high quality and all they do and produce, which we know is very, very important. Um, Check it out today, thehopefilledjourney.com, and you'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more. And you'll also get $20 off of your purchase if you spend $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. So go to www.thehopefilledjourney.com. You'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more, and you'll get $20 off if with, with a purchase of $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. I highly recommend it. It's an incredible store, so make sure to go to thehopefilledjourney.com today.